Hey, I'm Nick. I'm Leonard. And we're here to take you through a weekly deep dive into the Rebel, Rebel News, News Network. Network. The Rebel News Network is an alt-right media source here in Canada that is bringing misinformation and spreading bad ideas throughout the land. Our job is to look at what they're saying, decipher it, and try to make sense of it. Leonard, how you doing, Nick, man? Doing all right, buddy. How are you? I am also doing all right. Maybe a little bit better than all right, I would say. Okay. How was your week? Week was good. It was my partner's reading break from school, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of nothing going on uh, for both of us. She genuinely needed a break, and I used her break as an excuse to be lazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, you and I have kind of been on a forced vacation, so to speak. Not really a vacation, but a, some, <laughs> a little bit of forced time off. Um, that's true. That's always yeah. good. And always good to spend some quality time. I'm sure you guys uh, haven't been able to kind of have some QT together in a while since she's been so busy. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. We did some game playing and TV watching and stuff. Yeah. It was good. Nice. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Mine was pretty low key. Didn't get up to much. Uh, went out for my regular kind of walks and got out to see the city. Um, yeah. Just almost did the kind of the same thing. Just uh, wasn't really feeling completely motivated, but uh, managed to do a little bit of writing and watch some movies and TV too. So yeah, it was good. Like, like we talked about before, it's okay to not always be productive. Yeah. And yeah. it, you know, one thing not to get too off topic here, but one thing I just want to note is what this experience has changed for me is understanding positions of people who are in the state of unemployment and don't really have prospects moving mm-hmm. forward and how defeating that really could be. Yeah. I have, I have prospects. I have the ability to kind of shift into different things. I'm unemployed not by choice and kind of by choice simultaneously right now. So I'm mm-hmm. not really in a place of despair, Yeah, <clears throat> but I could see how easily it could defeat you and people might come out swinging. I want a job. I want to get back to work. And then they get shot down a few times and it leads into a spiral. I could really see. So it's opened my eyes to the struggle that other people feel and have felt for a long time. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. I feel feel the exact same way. And that's one thing that I appreciate about this current time is giving me the power to empathize more with others. I think that continually growing in that manner is very important for humanity. Totally. I, I think personal growth is something that should never stop. And yeah, I, I, I agree with this. I mean, I'm in a very similar situation uh, as you were. Uh, I'm unemployed more or less by, by choice, but not also by choice where I could find, uh, I could find a job that does minimum wage or, or that is just in the service sector. But I, I choose to, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying this because I have the ability to, choose. I'm lucky enough to have, you know, the ability to choose uh, to go back to school to get, you know, higher employment and to get more meaningful employment rather than having to stick with service sector and, and those ty- those types of jobs because it's uh, it's a it's a tough it's a, a tough go just to rely on on those kinds of things, right? I do want to kind of point out. I think that service sector work can be quite meaningful. Oh yes, it's absolutely. Maybe, but yeah, you've done it for, for sure. so long. 
Yeah. And I mean, for, for so long. And that's an important thing to understand yeah. about that statement is that you were, you have been in the service sector for a long time in your life. That's right. And I, you know, and I do like serving, I, or I, I'd like being in the service of people. And this is kind of what I talked to my therapist about is, is looking for that side of things. How do, how do I continue being in service of something without having to be a server or a bartender, you know? Uh, and to me, the the next logical step would be civil service. And that's kind of where I'm going to branch out to once I'm able to get out of this kind of holding pattern before uh, before I move back to Alberta and kind of get into that group of things. And I think that the civil service should be full of people who worked in the hospitality service industry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. You can deal with that industry. You can deal with anything. And totally. you're very adaptable and very smart. And very capable. Both both are <laughs> very thankless jobs. Very thankless. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But on that note, to get some, uh, yeah, to get some cheers going. Uh, cheers. Uh, to get some positive, positive news. Yeah, uh, let's take an abrupt shift. Yeah, absolutely. What are you drinking today, Leonard? Today I got Creepy Uncle Dunkle. And it's from Moon Underwater Brewery from Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, if you don't know what a dunkel is, it's a dark lager. So it's kind of a mix between a, a lager and an ale. Uh, it's got some beautiful malt. I'm, I'm really actually really enjoying it. It's a nice, smooth, kind of malty dunkel. And I, I'm all about those dunkels, man. Oh, man. The dunkels, dunkels are great beers. I drank a lot of, lot of different types of dunkels when I was in Germany. Oh, yeah. Around, and it is so flavorful and it's amazing. Oh. It's amazing what they can do in Germany with beer because there's the uh, the beer purity law or something, and you can only oh, in Germany all you can use in beer is water, hops, barley, and yeast, and that's it. You're not allowed As to add anything be, else to beer. Yeah. Well, I, like I'm, I'm into flavored stuff. I'm into flavored uh, stuff myself. Okay. But it's amazing what Germans can do with just those ingredients. Yeah, man. Like this, this dunkel, like looking at the ingredients, it's water, barley, wheat, hops, and yeast. That that's it. That's it. And yeah, they can get, they can get an awful lot of flavor out of that. Yeah. What do you got? Well, truth be told, I'm actually going to be drinking a strawberry bubbly. Ooh. I, okay. uh, I do have a beer that I will be enjoying later, which is the, uh, Spinnaker's nut brown ale. Ah. And that is uh, an ind- that's an independent that's a small brewery uh, also in Vancouver Island. <clears throat> Man, and, Vancouver uh, Victoria's got some great beer. It really does have some great beer. Phillips. Oh, uh, Phillips yeah. Brewery. Phillips. One of my one of my favorites. Lubuck. That Lubuck is that's that's my go-to on tap. Lubuck is my go-to on tap. Mm. So I will be enjoying that after my workout later today. <laughs> and nice. in the meantime, I will be enjoying this strawberry bubbly. And uh, who do you want to cheers to? Who do you want to cheers well, your strawberry bubbly to? So as I mentioned, uh, reading break this week for my partner, and we did a lot of TV watching, and I had seen a lot of hype about RuPaul's Drag Race. And I, and I was always kind of like, I don't, I'm not a by any means opposed to it, but I don't think that I'm into this. I don't know that I'd be interested. <laughs> okay. And finally we were just like, let's check it out. And it lived up to the hype. Nice. We, we burned through the first two seasons in two days. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How long is each yeah. episode? 
episodes are somewhere around 40, 45 minutes, I think. Okay. And and I think there was only eight or nine episodes in each season. So it wasn't the worst, but it was full days. Like we put in full shifts. Nice. And That's a lot of work. <laughs> we're on season three now. And it is, uh, it's incredible. It's so awesome. So fun. And yeah, seeing I'm the transformation, sure that, hey? Seeing the transformation is crazy. Uh, just the personalities is really fun. It's, there's just a whole lot of different things they do. I don't want to give it away for anybody, but if you're sure. kind of thinking about checking it out, I recommend it. And there is, <clears throat> at the beginning of every episode, they get like assigned some task. And this is how they get notified of said task. Ooh, girl, you got shemail. <laughs> they got shemail. Yeah. <laughs> and, and every time I hear that clip. I can't help but to laugh. Oh. It's just so it's it's so kind of jarring because it's so loud, yeah. and then it just like it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's good show. I highly recommend it. Nice. So cheers to RuPaul's Drag Race. Cheers to RuPaul's Drag Race. What about I'm you? Going, I'm going to cheers Ryan Jesperson. Uh, Ryan Jesperson is a uh, journalist, reporter, personality out of Edmonton, Alberta. He used to do the City TV morning news there, and he used to do uh, 630 Ched radio. Uh, but now he's got this real talk, and he's, he started this kind of network of his, his, of his own, really. Um, and it's called Real Talk. It's on every morning at 830 Mountain Time. And it's just a really hopeful show. Like He, he does a lot of interviews with really kind of influential people, uh, and he covers kind of really stories that you know i really care about and that uh his audience really cares about and i'm finding him you know i'm finding i'm feeling uh, a sense of community kind of around this show and i've only listened to three episodes and it's only been around for i think he said like 10 weeks or something like that it, yeah it, it hasn't been just long started um and i i only knew him from breakfast television when i was living in edmonton for a while uh, and then just on Twitter, I just happened to see somebody mention him and I was like, oh, no, I'll check it out. Uh, and then I listened to an episode on Tuesday and then I listened to an episode on Wednesday, then Thursday. And so he's, he's now come become part of my morning routine. Um, and yeah, cheers to Ryan Jesperson. Cheers to Ryan Jesperson. I know a bit about Ryan Jesperson myself. Do you watch on YouTube or do you listen on uh on both. Some, sometimes both. Uh, if I can catch it, um, sometimes I can catch the last little bit. So I live in a different time zone. So I don't catch it, you know, immediately after or immediately. So sometimes I'll catch it, you know, kind of at the tail end. Um, but for the past couple of days, I've been able to watch it on YouTube. Um, but I, I found it as a podcast. So I'll probably mm, gotcha. listen to it both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I was just listening. You were saying that you felt a sense of community. And I know that when he does the live streams on YouTube, there's an active chat going. So yeah, you can kind of really yeah. get involved in the discussion. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <clears throat> so and, I thought that uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. And his, his guests are just very enlightened people. They're all about finding the truth. They're all about both, like literally both sides. Like, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll play devil's advocate or he'll have some devil's advocates on as guests and stuff like that. And it's just a really great show. It's just, like I said, it makes me feel hopeful. 
And awesome. it's what Alberta, I think it's what Alberta kind of needs, you know, to have those kind of broader issues talked about in that forum. Totally. I also want to give it one more cheers to a podcast. Welcome okay. to Night Vale. So we talk a lot about what's going on in the world and a lot about reality and harsh realities and depressing realities and all these things. Yeah. Welcome to Night Vale is a fictional podcast that is it's basically a radio broadcast from a fictional science fiction city called Night Vale. Ah, okay. It there's a whole bunch of made up kind of concepts that exist in this world and they stay consistent throughout the years of the episodes. And it's just a fun way to escape reality. Sometimes they brush up against modern, like, like current issues, but not really. So it's just kind of a fun thing where again, this it's a science fiction based kind of town and it's a radio broadcast coming out and all the things that are going on. And it's, it's really fun. I'm not going to get too much into the specifics of it, but yeah. if you think that the, the radio broadcast format is fun and science fiction is fun, you'll love it. So how, I suggest you check it out. How close is it to the war of the world's broadcast that was done oh, in the thirties? Is it kind of the same idea? No, like it's a, it's no. a, okay. Not at all. It's very obviously f- fiction. Right. And it's it's fun fiction. Uh, like for example, uh last week's episode, they have a there's an entity. They just refer to it as the city council, but it's like a seven-headed beast of some <laughs> kind that Yeah, like so they hydro. were talking about this the city council has finally lifted a band on or was <laughs> debating lifting a band on and they kept saying a the word but they were blanking it out. And then all of a sudden He's like, one day the ban on clouds will finally be lifted. And then he's like, wait a second. Did I just say that clouds? And anyway, <laughs> like, so it's very, it's kind cool. of humorous. It's, it's fictitious. It's nothing like war of the worlds, I would say. Nice. Well, cheers to night fail. Definitely That's check right. that out. Uh, my last cheers is to the cognitive revolution. Uh, very, very broad, but without it, we wouldn't be here and NASA would not have been able to land their most advanced landers, which is the Mars Perseverance, which just landed on the surface of Mars on Friday or on Thursday, sorry, on Thursday. Yeah, so pretty cool. The tool makers of the species did it again, all thanks to that beautiful cognitive revolution that happened about four or 500,000 years ago. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of this uh, Mars rover, I saw some photographs that happened on the Venus rover in the couple of hours that it existed before it completely disintegrated yeah. or whatever. And yeah. it was cool. It looked that really That was neat, cool. hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm all I about just... that stuff. I, I love watching and learning and, and reading all about, uh, you know, kind of what's going on in our solar system. It's so, so cool space space exploration oh my god yeah if i wasn't where i was at right now if i was starting from scratch with education and stuff i would be an education in physics and Mm. i think more specifically in astrophysics going down the route that i've gone down i enjoy it but i also really enjoy just being able to figure things out (laughs) if you're looking yeah if you're looking at physics physics 
holds the answers uh, to anything. You just need to, in some cases, search harder than in other cases, right? Sure. So I'm very, very interested in that subject. I looked at actually doing a physics minor as I'm doing my degree <laughs> in policy studies. Oh, boy. And, and the, the guidance counselor at the school was like, well, you're going to have to take 14 extra classes <laughs> in order to get this minor <laughs> In addition Yikes. to the physics classes, because I do all these prereqs, and I yeah. was like, okay, no, I'll I'll pass. I'll just do my minor in economics and philosophy, and fine. One of my optional class, one of my science options in university was an astrophysics class, but it was so disappointing. Like, it was done by the worst professor, where he literally just used uh, overheads and plastic like the, the clear, the clear plastic to use, to use like dry erase markers. And instead of having, you know, there's, there's so much potential for those classes to be just so intriguing and get your students kind of into it and immersed in, in, especially in these giant university auditoriums. But no, it was just a bright lit auditorium with a guy and his markers. And oh, it was, it was such a disappointing, I ended up getting like a B plus, but oh, it was, it was so disappointing. Hmm. Anyway, we've gotten pretty <laughs> anyway. far off track here. <laughs> we, oh yeah. Let's get, let's get to, let's get to hey, the news. What's yeah. Going so on how about week? some, how about some current events? So this week, uh, like any other week has been quite, quite busy. There's been a lot going on. Of course, you know, the big news at the moment is the massive snow storm in Texas with millions still out of power and water. Uh, this, storm happened really on, on started on Monday and just kind of kept on going throughout the week. And it was just hit by uh, a lot of snow and below freezing temperatures, which is what kind of really caused the problems. The snow, not so much, but it was, it was the below freezing temperatures hitting minus 12 Celsius and in, even colder with wind chills. Um, and minus 12, I mean, doesn't sound cold to, to us, um, but you know, with the wind chills and without proper insulation, Oh my God, that wind would just go right through your house. Um, Minus 12 doesn't sound cold to us because we are ready for it. Well, we're ready for it. But a lot of parts of Texas aren't ready for a minus 12. Yeah. Well, and if you've been in a coastal area around the ocean, you know, minus 12, it feels like it would be, you know, maybe minus 20. Like in that, in the coastal areas with with so much moisture in the air, the cold Mm. feels so much colder. And then yeah. you have the wind added onto that. It, it's it's really, it, it's really horrible conditions. Um, there was one picture that kind of really went viral on Twitter, and that was the I don't know if you saw it, the sweater that was frozen to the wall. It was like hung on the back of the door or something like that. No, I never and, saw this. And it looked like just the condensation that happened while you know the heat was escaping from the house. It just kind of froze this cardigan sweater to the wall. It was it was kind of a meme for the whole thing. But what actually happened was the unregulated electric grid in Texas almost failed uh, and they had to go into rolling blackouts or what they called they were called rolling blackouts. Um, and, and what I saw and what was reported is just really gut wrenching. Uh, and it's been widely reported that really no rolling blackouts happened. There's a lot of people being interviewed in some areas of Houston and Dallas and, and other Texas cities that 
they had been without power for days uh, with, with nothing coming back on even for, for a minute. You know, now there's been multiple deaths with uh, an 11-year-old boy uh, that was died, I think, last night due to hypothermia. And yeah, I mean, we get weather like this all the time in Canada, but it's, it's just a completely different beast down, down in that area. And I just looked at our analytics before we got on here, and we actually had a listener from Texas this week. So, you know, I kind of want to just send out a little shout out of solidarity with you guys and that we're, we're up here thinking about you. Yeah, um, I wish you the best, definitely. And, and, you know, there's other drama that's kind of unfolding on top of that with elected officials. But I, I really don't want to give that much uh, attention because it's such a humanitarian crisis that's kind of going on there. Are you talking about Ted Cruz? <laughs> I'm talking Ted, about prominent Calgarian Ted Cruz, yes. Ted Cruz bugging off to Mexico in the middle of this or, or yeah. even at the beginning. I don't, I don't know the dates. Oh. I, I've paid attention to what's going on. I haven't paid close attention to the Ted Cruz thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't need Ted Cruz to go to Mexico in the middle of a crisis to know that he's a piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and we had, we had the same issue in Canada as well with, except with, with this, it was like a little with, with in the situation in Canada it was a little bit more nefarious where the elected officials, you know, would release videos making it look like they were at home when they were actually in Hawaii vacationing somewhere. So yeah. Yeah. It's not new. It's not, it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the last time, but Holy cow. Wait, way to show your people that you do not give a fuck. Right. And, and people are like, I, I saw some people defending Ted Cruz and they're just sitting there saying, well, dude, do you expect him to stay there and freeze? No, yeah. I don't expect him to stay there and freeze. <laughs> but what I expect him to do is at least not just kind of say, I'm better than everyone else. I'm going to go where it's warm. Cause I can, when yeah. so many people in Texas are just, they're stuck there. Wow. They're stuck there. Cause maybe they don't have the money to leave or they have to work or whatever the case may be. He's just, yeah flexing that muscle that just doesn't need to be done at that time and it's exactly it's just insensitive it's stupid he could afford to go somewhere in texas and stay there and be warm he's got a lot of opportunity to be there with the people and i think that's what yeah. elected representatives should be doing well and that's the thing and like we were talking about you know right at the beginning was people in the service industry would make the best civil servants because that's what ted cruz is he's a civil servant uh, and, you know, civil service isn't a job. It's, it's a life. Uh, and if you're not willing to do the hard work and do the sacrifice and serve your community, then you have no, absolutely no business being in any kind of, of public office. Yeah. Uh, next thing uh, in science news, uh, a black-footed ferret was cloned in the United States. Uh, so Elizabeth Ann is her name. And she was cloned from 30-year-old cells uh, from another black-footed ferret. Apparently, she's in great health, and they're hoping that uh, Elizabeth is ready to party so she can help regrow the en uh, endangered population there. So that's kind of a cool thing. That is cool. Yeah, man. Um, I know that's a very polarizing topic, but... Um, shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I also agree. I think that I think there's more... I think it's more of a, a moral kind of thing than than anything, but... Yeah. Uh, speaking of morals or lack thereof, uh, Rush Limbaugh died of cancer this week. Or sorry, yeah, like him or not, this guy basically set the stage, kind of for what we see today in in um, in right wing media. So Rebel News, for example, would not be here today, I don't think, if it wasn't for Rush Limbaugh. 
He was a racist, a bigot, a misogynist. He read out the names of dead AIDS patients. Uh, and, and that's why I celebrate his death. Absolutely. And as it should she be wants celebrated. to celebrate the death of people with AIDS, I celebrate yeah. the death of Rush Limbaugh. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he, he really helped uh, build the narrative around invading Iraq. He was a huge player in that, in that, in the, during the, the Bush years, uh, he started the own the libs mentality. He coined libtard. He coined feminazi. Oh my God. Just what a piece of, uh, you know, a piece of dirt, but yeah. you know, he was, he was charismatic. So you can't really ignore, even though he was this giant piece of shit of a person, you, you really can't ignore that. He had a humongous audience. Um, I just listened to, before recording this, I just listened to uh, somebody from uh, Skirmanish from CNN kind of eulogize him a little bit. And he remembered, he was saying a story about how him and his father had gone to see Rush Limbaugh speak. And for a 90-minute lecture, Rush Limbaugh spoke with no notes, no audio-visual aids. It was just him, the microphone, and his ability to kind of weave together a narrative and I, that's what made him influential. Uh, you know, the people that were in these audiences, I heard, were just hanging off his every word. Um, and, and he will be mourned by some people, but those people are, you know, equally degenerate as, as he was. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't want to know personally the people who are mourning Rush Limbaugh's loss. Um, <laughs> they don't sound like people I would be friends with. Yeah, I mean, I would say... Ted Cruz, Newt Gingrich, all those kind of, all those kind of guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about uh, in the uh, current events happened uh, kind of, I think, Thursday or Friday. Uh, and that's when Facebook blocks Australian news from being shared on its site. Uh, so Australia has been debating legislation around social media sites uh, about taking money away from Australian news agencies. Google, for example, uh, is in the same fight and has since left Australia as well. A CNN report says that 75% of Australians get their news from social media. This is actually a big network that people in Australia go to to get their news. Facebook's argument, though, is that it's actually been a revenue generator for media agencies because it brings advertiser dollars and it can attract new customers or new readers through cheap ad space to their services. So that's kind of where that debate lies. I'm still trying to figure out where I lie in the debate. In the debate, so I'm going to hold reservation for for now because I'm still yeah I'm still trying to figure out where where it all should actually fit. Uh, and Canada's li- uh, countries like ours are, are really actually going to be watching to see what happens uh, in in Australia. Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with this uh, really at all. I probably should be. It's important. But... Like this is this is the whole uh, should private industry dictate our you know dictate how people get the news or how uh, how people communicate freely. Uh, there, there's definitely some points from either side. I think that can be taken, and I think there needs to be a little bit more study there. But that's a huge step that uh, an actual private corporation would take their, basically take their money elsewhere outside of a country. So it's a, it's a big step there. Yeah. We'll have to, you'll have to keep us updated as things progress with that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I got one thing I want to go through. Um, 
as far as happenings this week. So I saw a tweet from right wing watch that Marjorie Taylor green was up to something crazy. So I wanted to, uh, yeah, weird. It's never happened. And I've become very fascinated with the train wreck that is Marjorie Taylor green. So (laughs) like I said, I got this clip from right wing watch and I'm just going to play the whole thing. It's about two minutes, a little under two minutes long. And I just want you to hear it and we can briefly discuss after. People are being canceled everywhere. I'm going to use a person you might have never heard of, but she's a dear friend of mine. I really like her. Her name is Laura Loomer. Laura Loomer is a Jewish American woman. She actually ran for Congress this last cycle down in Florida. She didn't win her election, but I think she's somewhat important to talk about. Laura Loomer is one of the most canceled people I've ever met in my life. Do you want to know why? She started out as an investigative journalist. She's conservative. She's Republican. She started reporting stories on Ilhan Omar and her ties to radical Islam. The fact that she married her brother. Twitter didn't like that very much. So they kicked her off of Twitter. She also got kicked off of Facebook. But Laura does not stop. She kept on pushing. She kept on putting her stories out, her information. She refused to give up, which is great. It's another reason why I like her. She started her own media company where she could put out her stories, was on Instagram, found other places, Google to put out her information, but she kept getting canceled. She has now been canceled not only by Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, She's also canceled by Uber, Uber Eats. She couldn't use Chase Visa. You see, the list goes on and on. It goes into corporations. This is something that I call corporate communism. It's not just the threat from the federal government. It's happening in the corporate culture. Laura Loomer was first to be canceled. You know who's next? You are. Oh my God. I hear the people in the background going, yup, yup, and laughing. And it just enrages me. So Mm. I know you got a little bit to say about the corporate communism, but I just want to talk a little bit about who Laura Loomer is first. Sure. So I'm going to declare Laura Loomer deserves to be canceled by everybody who hasn't canceled her yet. In addition to everyone that Marjorie Taylor Greene just named off, you know, to, to say that she's friends with Laura Loomer and to kind of paint this picture as somebody who's an investigative journalist, she is, Laura Loomer is not an investigative journalist. She's a con artist. She's a liar. And unsurprisingly, she's actually associated with Rebel News. She worked for Rebel for a while. Yikes, she also works right? for InfoWars and other such news organizations, if you really want to call them that. Right. An August 2020 article from CNN says this about Laura Loomer. If you've paid attention to the rise of the radical right on the internet over the last few years, you know the name Laura Loomer. Loomer is one of the most high-profile figures of this movement, and one of its most controversial. She has described Islam as a cancer on humanity and said that Muslim candidates should not be allowed to hold office in America. She has called herself a proud Islamophobe. (laughs) 
That behavior has led Loomer to being banned from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, not to mention ride-sharing services, Uber, and Lyft. She tweeted in 2018 that someone needs to create a non-Islamic form of Uber or Lyft because I never want to support another Islamic immigrant driver. So that is the person Marjorie Taylor Greene is defending. Yeah. And I want to note, for the purposes of this friggin' podcast, she works for Rebel. Right. Yeah, there you go. She's never not been a crazy lunatic, and so (laughs) she was a crazy lunatic working for Rebel. Yeah. And I like how they they mix up, you know, tenacity for just being – stubbornly ignorant for being obstinate yeah you know obstinance is not tenacity and and talking about talking about ilhan omar like how can you say no i don't honestly i don't know much about ilhan omar i really don't no neither do i Uh, i I know very little i know that there's been rumors circulating about things like the marrying her brother i don't know anything about it i will not comment on it rudy giuliani married his cousin so there you go there you go who knows <laughs> who, who knows what happened but what i can yeah. say is that if she did for whatever reason do that there's way more nu- nuance to it than just she married her brother <laughs> it's it's way more yeah there's I mean, something way more going on and again i have no idea but what i do know is that somebody who declares themselves uh, a proud islamophobe yeah is not somebody that i'm going to take credible news from when it comes to something about a Muslim from anything for that matter, but especially not talking about a Muslim. She goes into it with hate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't, it just boxes her in basically. It, it, it really seals her into that box and reasonable people then will, yeah, shut their ears to it. And rightfully so. Yeah, it's, oh man, it it drives me crazy. And and so, and here's, here's an elected representative sitting there defending this person and, oh man, it drives me nuts. Yeah. But you also have to, you also have to think that, you know, this is an elected representative speaking to her, you know, her, her voters basically. But what really got me triggered was uh, the corporate communism thing with the the corporate communism statement because for for me that's a another attempt at the alt right to appropriate another thing from the left basically to to kind of flip it around and, and I'm talking about corporate socialism which which really is a big a, a real thing um and it's used to describe what governments do when they're bailing out multi-billion dollar corporations while saying they can't afford to fund social programs you know yeah. um so, so the the two things are, are 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 kind of night and day. There's there's no such thing as corporate communism. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't exist because corporations only exist for profit, and all they, they only answer. That's all. That's their that's their lifeblood is profit. That that's really their guiding light. That's their north star is 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 profit and nothing else. And they're only answerable to their stakeholders. So a company like Uber, like Lyft, or other companies that canceled Laura Loomer are doing so because they know that they're going to lose money if they start backing these people. Because the consumer, nor like, the majority of consumers, I would say, don't listen to Laura Loomer and want to have a ride from Lyft or Uber. 
Um, and, and, and to go back to the, the corporate communism thing, I'll give you two recent examples of, of why corporate communism doesn't exist. And Texas is the first one and their power grid. So Texas is completely cut off from the rest of the country, except for one little corner in the West. And that's done so by design to protect, to quote unquote, protect the state from federal regulators. They want unregulated industry because regulation cuts profits. So you have this unregulated electric grid that now gets destroyed by this massive storm. And what happens? You know, you, people are dying, people are going cold, uh, people are without electricity, and they completely ignored federal regulators' call to winterize their systems like every other grid in the United States is. It's winterized, it's ready for these kinds of things. And this is just as a precautionary measure, but they didn't because corporations will always fall on the side of austerity and cost-cutting to in, in order to maximize their profit, always. You know? yeah. So you think about it, Texas, normally, I, seasonally, it's like 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's, uh, what is that, like 15, 15 to 20 degrees Celsius. So do you really need to winterize at that point? Uh, probably not on the surface, but it falls under the What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the worst thing that could happen just happened. People die. People die. That's exactly. the worst thing that could happen. To save, uh, to get a few more dollars of profit, right? Yeah. No, and no other reason why other than that. Uh, second, most recent um, example is the Fred Meyer grocery store in Portland, Oregon. So Texas isn't the only uh, city that suffered power outages. There's power outages all over the country thanks to this gigantic, massive a winter storm that that hit almost the entire country. And what happened there, and I learned this actually from Ryan Jesperson's um, show, was the there was a um, there was a Fred Meyer grocery store that had its power go out. Um, it ended up having to throw away all of its perishable food items. Some people caught wind of this and they started doing some scavenging. So they they got into the dumpster. And they found that it was all of this perishable food, but it was literally just thrown out within minutes or, or hours. And it, plus it was, you know, below freezing. So not, nature's, nature's refrigerator was, 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 was still going. Mm -hmm. um, but what ended up happening was the grocery store called the police and the Portland police put up a blockade and protected this dumpster full of food. So there was this humongous... Um, kickback on Twitter about it. And we can debate, you know, what the store could have done with, with the food. Um, food banks is, is one thing, donating it to a food bank for the day. Um, and, you know, it, it's a perfect meme for kind of what we're talking about with, with corporate communism. If, it, if there was such a thing as corporate communism, Fred Meyer, that grocery store would have been instructed to give away all of that food to the needy, to people who need it, because it was going to go into the landfill. Uh, that, that would have been corporate Communism, in, in my view, um, you know, at the food bank where I, I go to or I, I, I volunteer at, grocery stores like Costco or like any other kind of big chain will donate vegetables or fruits or, or, or what have you, food that is, is close to its, the end of life, um, but they do get a full tax receipt for the, for the full value of that food. So if they give mm -hmm. away an entire pallet, let's say, of uh, fresh vegetables, which, which isn't really cheap, they're still getting reimbursed through 
uh, a tax receipt so they can get the, the full value of that money back through, through that taxes. So they're, that is, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it out of kind of maybe an enlightened self-interest where sure they don't want to throw out this food because it costs a lot to dispose of, but they're also getting that payback of, of that tax receipt. Yeah, exactly. So that whole, that whole area of, of corporate communism is just a buzzword that I guess she's trying to coin, but it's just not even remotely living in reality. No. And if it ever does seem like a corporation is being generous or giving away or doing something, know that it's only there. They're only giving so that they can get more. It's a, exactly. it's a strategy. It's a marketing pitch. It's, it's yes. whatever. Yep. It's never just here, have this because it's free or here's a sale because we feel good. It's yep. always very pointed and it's for a specific reason. And, and that reason is, it will have a positive effect on the bottom line, either yeah. right now or tomorrow. Yeah. And any social impact that their services might have, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hearing some people maybe saying, well, Nick and Leonard, what about, uh, what about socially conscious corporations? What about companies that are producing green products or that are promoting, uh, you know, a brighter future, blah, 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 blah. Any social benefit that comes from those companies are purely a byproduct of the profit that they're looking for. No other reason. I like green technology, but you don't make green technology in a capitalist world unless you're getting paid for it. Yeah, you're not doing it's not altruistic. It There's no such thing as an altruistic corporation. It does no. not exist and it will never exist. It goes exactly. against their creed. It goes against what, what they live for. So that's it's not gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, altruism, you know, I don't want to get off topic again here. Altruism in general can almost be abolished as a concept inside of capitalism in, totally. in, in any sense, in any regard, because true altruism is not possible when you have the pressures of capitalism coming in at you from every side, whether exactly. you're an individual, a corporation, whatever the case may be, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Anyhow, <laughs> we Good digress. Talk. Yeah, we yeah we do we do. <laughs> I guess it's, it's important stuff to know, though. I think it's important. it is it is it's important, important this, to talk about and yeah. And and this one does have a direct connection to Rebel, in in Laura Loomer and you know Marjorie Taylor Greene is a figurehead that. I'm going to say Rebel is probably going to be talking about more in the coming months and years. Well, that's security for us, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, speaking, so speaking of Rebel, what have they been up to this week? Well, Rebel, you know, what have they been up to? They've been up to a lot of stuff. <laughs> COVID, COVID, <laughs> COVID. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of COVID, COVID, COVID. And so what I, what I wanted to focus on today is uh, what they've been talking about with quarantine hotels mm -hmm. or as they would call them uh, quarantine jails or internment camps, oh, COVID God. internment camps. So unsurprisingly rebel is completely misrepresenting what's going on here. So the topic today stems from a report done by uh, Drea, Drea Humphrey. 
right. another another of the insidious cast of characters at Rebel. <laughs> and the report was about COVID, a COVID-19 hotel in BC. So on a report, the video starts off in a really interesting way. So the first thing that comes up when you hit play on this video is it's a clip from a news anchor, I think from CTV, (laughs) Uh talking about how conspiracy theories and issues of fake news are problematic in today's world. So then Drea goes on to say something um, that if you came to the table too early with ideas about COVID-19, you were labeled a conspiracy theorist, implying (laughs) that the rest of Rebel were unjustly uh, labeled conspiracy oh. and then yeah. after her brief statement she plays another clip this one from the prime minister justin trudeau and i'm going to play that for you right now just to hear yeah a young woman uh, asked me about covid internment camps and i had to uh explain uh that as we consume increasing amounts and various sources of information online and around us. We need to continue to be attentive to source, need to be continue to be attentive uh, to uh, comparing uh, various reports and uh, looking for trusted sources. Good advice. Good advice. advice. (laughs) Yeah, he's making a lot of sense. Yeah. And, And I'm having a really hard time trying to understand why Drea would set her clip up this way. Basically, she starts the thing off with two clips from two different people who sound very smart, very appropriate, and are telling you, watch out for BS news. <laughs> so I'm not sure yeah. if she thinks that it's a bad thing that people are talking about the reality of conspiracy theories or that you need to be thorough and rigorous in your investigation of ideas that you might find online. Uh, but it seems like a really poor way to start things <laughs> when you're a conspiracy theory newscaster yeah i i watched that i watched that video too when you sent me the link and and when i was watching i was like what are they trying to do here are they trying to change people like are they did rebel just actually do a 180 are they trying to change people's minds here like what what's happening and then the the entire time i was just putting myself back into my communications undergrad and just like trying to analyze what they're doing and i just yeah, it just feels like such a, a a gaslight. I'm not sure what's happening there either. Yeah, it is. Uh, I agree. A gas. Like, what else can you say? A gaslight. Yeah, because like- everything that this that the the news presenter says and everything Trudeau says, yeah, follow that. Absolutely, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. So this is what Drea has to say after the Trudeau statement. Canadians have been being detained against their will, and lots of times they're healthy Canadians in the name of COVID-19. Today, I'm standing in front of Pacific Gateway Hotel in Richmond, BC, because a little tipster told us that this may in fact be a COVID jail. And so we're gonna check that out in the Vancouver area and see if it's true. Just want to note that that music is not us. That's them adding that ominous music. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, so <laughs> it's like two smart people are like, "You should watch out for bullshit," and then Drea comes on and is like, well, "Bullshit!" Here comes the bullshit. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I need to point out is 
Did Drea forget where she was when she was broadcasting this? Because you can hear a very clear overdub of it in in Richmond, BC. (laughs) It was added after the report was done. But let's get into some more serious stuff. So there was some serious stuff that was in that that little clip there. So Drea states that Canadians are being held against their will. That's a big Uh, accusation. That's giant. Yeah. Uh, And also, uh, she also refers to this hotel as a COVID-19 jail. So let's just dig into to this a little bit. So the Canadian government does have measures in place that require people different lengths of hotel stay for different reasons. If they're traveling uh, on their own accord or for non-essential reasons. So yeah. I looked up the Government of Canada website and this is, this is what I found on the matter. So the Government of Canada has introduced further measures to help limit the spread of COVID-19 and its variants in Canada. We strongly advise Canadians to cancel or postpone non-essential travel plans outside of Canada. Now is not the time to travel. People who travel by air for non-essential reasons, reasons, such as vacation, will face new measures and expenses when they return to Canada. Air traveler requirements. Travelers must still provide proof of a negative COVID-19 molecular test Mm -hmm. taken up to 72 hours before their scheduled departure time. As of February 21st, 2021. So that's actually tomorrow when we're recording this, they're updating it, but Uh it's basically the same rules, right? It's, it's the same (laughs) rules right now. I think they just made it a little bit easier for people to book. So as of February 21st, 2021 at 11:59 p.m. Eastern Time travelers unless exempted will also be required to reserve a government authorized hotel for 3 nights prior to departure to Canada take a covid-19 molecular test on arrival in Canada and stay in the government authorized hotel while awaiting the results of the covid-19 molecular test taken on arrival mm-hmm. so basically what happens is they need to, when they arrive back in Canada, they need to take a test. There's a testing site set up in the airport. And while the results of that specific molecular test are coming back, which is usually, I think, three days or within three days, they have to stay at one of these designated hotels. They also have to pay for the cost of the hotel, as well as associated costs for food, security, transportation, infection prevention and control measures. Travelers must present proof of having reserved and prepaid for their accommodations through ArriveCan. Travelers will still be required to complete the remainder of the mandatory 14-day quarantine after their mandatory hotel stopover. The list of government authorized hotels is now available. Aha. That seems reasonable, like the February 21st thing where now you have to get a test in Canada I, that sounds like a much better uh, way of doing things than, than what they had before. Well, I think in my opinion, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll actually be addressing some of this a little bit later. Okay. But I think one of the things is, is people kept getting the wrong test, right? People, yeah. so they, they specifically wanted the molecular test. And I think the reason for that is they just want they it probably has something to do with health Canada, trusting one test, maybe even just slightly more than another but also consistency in results. Yeah. If yeah. you have a bunch of different types of tests or maybe even, I know that in the U S with their healthcare system being privatized, you have a lot more options to buy things that 
Health Canada might not approve. Mm-hmm. And so they don't want to be saying that people can take a test that they don't know anything about. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's fair. Yep. So I, I think I, I speculate that's what it is. And it's, uh, it's kind of building redundancy into the system so that people can't show up and be like, oh, I took the wrong test and then throw a big fit. Now it's like, well, you get tested when you buy, you're back in Canada, you got three days in a, in a hotel, and then you can go home. Yeah. But again, the thing to emphasize is this is all about non-essential travel. Yeah, right. Yeah. So going back to going back to what I just talked about for the government website, the first thing to note here is that they're urging people not to travel if it's not completely necessary. So like I just said, uh, and that makes complete sense to me. We're in a pandemic and the end of the pandemic is actually in sight. Uh, but if we aren't diligent, we can still screw this up. You mean boys trip to Palm Beach golf trip is that's not essential? Not essential. Damn it. Not right. not essential. If your name's right. Chad, it might be essential. But <laughs> as of right now, it's not essential. <laughs> All right. So we have vaccines that are very effective because so many people insist on not following guidelines. We have now seen the emergence of a number of new virus variants that threaten to either reduce or eliminate the effectiveness of the vaccines that we have. As of the recording of this podcast, 2.46 million people have died as a result of COVID-19 worldwide. The CDC reported that COVID-19 was the single leading cause of death in the U.S. for 2020. In Alberta, more people have died of COVID-19 in 2020 than had died of the influenza in the past 10 years combined, and so on. These these statistics, I could sit here and list statistics off Mm -hmm. all day, but the fact is we cannot afford to screw this up. We need to bring this to an end as quickly as we possibly can. People seem to think the economy and businesses are screwed now. Things would only get worse if we just continue to let this this virus run rampant. My point is there are no good reasons for the Canadian government, or or there are good reasons, sorry, for the Canadian government (laughs) to want to discourage people from traveling both inside and outside the country. Although it seems like it's not realistic to to prevent people from traveling altogether, putting these restrictions like this definitely makes people think twice before they book a trip to Mexico or whatever it may be. And in reality, if they want to go, that's fine, but just know it's going to cost you financially and time-wise to come back to the country. And I think that is completely fair. But I want to go to Mexico now. You can. (laughs) <laughs> Just be prepared to quarantine for three days and pay for it out of pocket. Well, I, see, that's the thing. And, and you're a reasonable person. And like like you said, most reasonable people w- won't go traveling internationally during a pandemic. The, the people who I would surmise would do that are people that will not go to the federal government website and do their homework to figure out what they need to do and what their responsibilities are. And just remember, um, starting to feel like a broken record. This applies to non-essential yeah. travel. I mean, yeah, exactly. if you don't take these trips, you know, if you're going to take trips, doing so uh, in itself states that you understand the rules and you're going to comply with them. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Uh, but, but like I said, personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. The government can yeah. only do so much, but you have to take some responsibility on your own end to 
know what's happening around you and figure out is, should I be going to this place at this moment? And there's so many beautiful places. If you really have an itch to, to go somewhere, there's so many beautiful places in Canada that you can go exactly. that are open, that are remote, that are practicing social distancing measures that don't require you to leave the country. Yeah. And, and to it, it comes down to our talk about altruism before, right? So it's not only coming back to Canada, it's you traveling to another country who's yeah. also battling the same things. And if you get sick, you're then putting a strain on their health systems. And, you know, I get, and the, also going back to like the testing in Canada, the one thing that kind of popped into my head when you were saying that is while somebody is in another country who needs to get a test done before they get into the country, you now have to kind of take, you know, their, uh, a, a COVID test away from somebody from that country in order for you to return back to your life in Canada. So you're using their resources that are already probably spread thin because yeah. most public health um, kind of systems are a little bit stretched thin with uh, COVID-19, right? All because you can't wait. You can't put off that trip for a year or you can't yeah. just wait for a little bit longer. Just a little yeah, longer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So moving on to the language used by Drea here, calling this COVID-19, calling this hotel a COVID-19 jail. It's yeah. really just trying to drive home Rebel's point that the federal government is authoritarian and they want to take away everyone's freedoms and it's tyranny and blah, blah, blah. It's Justin, the same old why? Narrative. Justin, why? Right? Quite yeah. frankly, I'm really just tired of hearing about this kind of stuff from Yeah. Me. They sensationalize everything and they want to make it seem like the government is out to do harm to everybody and that people's freedoms are being stripped unjustly. Well, the reality is that the people who are choosing to travel when they don't need to are the ones that are doing unjust harm to others. Mm -hmm. By traveling to places that are tourist destinations during a pandemic, people are exposing themselves to potential infection and thus endangering everyone around them, both at said destination and when they return home. The rebel narrative is so caught up in attacking the government, they don't stop to think about the number of people that are potentially in danger when just one person travels unnecessarily. Well, actually, I think rebel has thought about that, and I just think they don't care because it doesn't help them make money. Sensible reporting could lead to sensible action, which eliminates the fear that rebel relies on to survive. Yeah, I think you touched on a big thing there, making money. Uh, and like everything else, like, you know, a lot of other really bad things that have happened. People have been able to profit off of these, these horrible things. And now, you know, I would, I would probably guess that rebel will really benefit from the pandemic going longer because they can do these stories and get so much more donations from their listeners to fight the fines or to, uh, I, I forget which one she's talking about in this video. There's, a different one, justice for something. I don't know, but it, it becomes a money-making scheme. So it becomes totally. profitable for them and totally. they have no problem screaming about their rights while simultaneously shitting on other people's rights. Exactly. And again, it's going back to that conversation about altruism rebel is like we talked about last episode, they're disguising themselves as a civil liberties organization saying, yeah. we'll help you fight the fines and we'll, we'll help you in whatever way that we can. 
they're not doing that if that's not making them money. <laughs> they're 100%. not just giving giving away free legal help and legal advice. Yeah, exactly. They're not just paying your tickets for you. They're yeah. relying on if you're the kind of person who first wants to deny public health measures and get tickets for something and you're a supporter of rebel media, they've got you pegged as someone who's probably going to financially support them mm -hmm. over the years. And especially if you are helping them out now paying their fines, you're just building long-term loyalty. That's going to end up making you more money. It's not just, about being a nice person. Profiteering off of a, a pandemic and B people's willingness to, you know, consume this type of media. Yeah. So if, if, if the kind of people who are going to rebel to get them to pay their fines are definitely the kind of people who are listening to rebel and they're the kind exactly. of people who are probably going to support rebel. Which is so. sad because they probably do not have a lot of money to give to begin with. Yeah. Odds are, odds are they don't. And it's, it is sad to see kind of such a senseless waste of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Okay, so Dre goes on to talk about some issues that Rebel has identified with the COVID hotels, and she starts to speak about uh, quote-unquote reports that her colleague and our buddy, Kean Bextie, <laughs> did uh, on a person named Nikki Mathis. Okay. So to summarize Kean's reporting on this matter, he portrayed the situation, a situation where a woman was forcibly abducted from an airport and locked in a COVID jail hotel. That sounds serious. I think, I think we brushed over this before. Yeah, it's uh, sounding familiar now. So Rebel's reporting of this has made it seem as though um, this was done for no reason and that there was no understanding of what was happening and why it was happening. Of course. And Kean actually specifically believes that Justin Trudeau is pulling the strings to make it happen. You mean he's not? What? Yeah, uh, he's not. <laughs> and, and, and she wasn't, she wasn't abducted. Um, she wasn't forcibly removed. I think she was confused. And so I, I got a little, I, I dug into that a little bit and it was very easy to find something that totally discredited everything Keen said. Usually is. Yep. Yeah, you, especially with Kian, actually. So according to an interview with a real news agency, Global News, uh, what happened in reality is that Nikki unfortunately did not thoroughly and properly read the Canadian government website about the travel restrictions and got the wrong type of COVID-19 test. Nikki mm. received an antigen test, and the Canadian government website clearly states that a molecular test is required. Right. And I'm... Like I said before, I think the reason for this test is they just want consistency and to to really know what what test people are getting. So they yeah, I think well, that. I think one test is the nose swab, like the the you know the six inch swab that goes that tickles your brain, uh, and then I think the other one is just kind of that rapid test. That's that's really. Um, it's probably still reliable. It's not as reliable, like not exactly. As Right. So yeah, yeah. again, and, and if you listen to Keen's report on this and I didn't want to cover it, Keen did his report. There was another one from um, David Menzies did another COVID hotel report. I watched them all. He does I a lot of yeah. focus on them all. Oh my God. You watched them all. Hey, 
I watched them all. Yeah, no, I, I, I was really mad at myself. It was awful. <laughs> but it's just a total misrepresentation of what was happening. And I watched Kane's piece on the subject, and it was just the same old BS. Yeah. He was mad at Trudeau. He was sensationalized something to cause fear. Um, and he was not being honest with what was really happening at all. He played a video of Nikki that she allegedly sent him personally. And she seemed annoyed that she was in this hotel, but she was not claiming that she was kidnapped or that Trudeau would be arriving any moment to personally torture her. <laughs> she was actually quite vague about what she was saying. And she seemed to be in okay spirits, but I believe that the vagueness was done on purpose. And the reason I believe that, and the reason I think that is it was done so that Kean could then build up a narrative with his own words and she wouldn't actually need to say anything that was a lie or problematic. Right. Because Kean building in a narrative in his imagination world that exists is different from somebody who's in this hotel lying about what's happening to her in that moment in this hotel. And maybe she wasn't okay with that. And sure. I don't even know that this video was actually made for Kean. All I know is that it didn't seem that damning. And she seemed annoyed that she had to be in a hotel because she had already taken a COVID test. But again, she didn't read the travel restrictions and yeah. she took the wrong test. Like that falls on you. And again, like you mentioned, personal responsibility. Pers yeah. We, we have to get back to that kind of mentality where you have to, there, there's a certain level of accountability that you have to put on yourself. Yeah. You're not a child. You know, definitely, especially when you're friggin' traveling during a goddamn pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Anyhow, uh, back to Drea. So for the next few minutes in her report, uh, I use that term loosely. Drea wanders <laughs> yeah. around the hotel harassing. That was kind of painful to watch, actually. Did you watch the whole thing? Oh, I did. Yeah. 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 yeah so she wanders around the hotel harassing people uh, via the phone and in person. Uh, asking what's going on and pretending that she wants to book a room. People are nice, but they don't want to speak with her about what's happening there. And I get the feeling the people are being instructed not to directly say what is happening either by the government or the actual hotel itself, the yeah. hotel management and ownership. <clears throat> and that makes a lot of sense to me. What company wants to deal with, the people that come around to protest and endanger the lives of people staying at a quarantine hotel. Yeah. Well, I mean, most employers have the stipulation in your employment contract, not, never to speak to the media, always contact your immediate supervisor or, you know, if there's a media relations person that's on staff, you have to direct them to that. It's very, very rare that you're ever, ever going to get an employee, an hourly employee commenting on the news. Exactly. Well, that's, that's a great point. And I hadn't even actually spoken about that, but that is also a great point. Um, especially when there's something that's, whether it's rightly or not controversial, it's controversial, yeah. right? At this moment. So exactly. And in addition to that, this type of scenario presents opportunities for extremists like rebel news fans to make some kind of move pretending to liberate the people inside and potentially using violent to, violence to do so, which would endanger both the people staying in the hotel and the hotel staff. Mm -hmm. um, 
I also think that from a survivability perspective, uh, it's a no brainer for the hotel to convert to a quarantine space right now, considering travel is so limited and revenues are definitely down, but uh, there could be some potential stigma attached to this role in the future. And I think that that might be uh, another reason that they really want to not come out forward and just kind of say, yeah, this is a quarantine hotel right now. Cause totally. then you'll have scavengers like rebel news talking about it, putting their name all over like they already are and trying to have an impact on that business's ability to function. Right. Totally. Yeah. And lastly, why the hell would any reasonably minded person be willing to speak to anyone holding a Rebel News microphone? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Right? Anyone yeah. familiar with the brand knows that there's knows that there's no winning with speaking to Rebel. Either they'll cut out what you say if they don't like it, or they'll mischaracterize it to fit their own narrative. Well, even Dent Menzies himself uh, had mentioned in a in a video I watched a long time ago the, how hard it is for him to find people to interview because people automatically say your Rebel News no. And he was, he was <laughs> lamenting about that. I, I remember watching. Yeah, exactly. And, and this doesn't apply to people who like Rebel, but for the sake of the world, I hope most people don't fall into that category. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it makes sense why anyone would refuse to talk to her or honestly, like, like we kind of discussed any media outlet uh, for that matter, right? Yeah. At this time, so. So after bothering hotel, hotel staff and security a bit more, uh, Drea heads over to the Vancouver International Airport, where she speculates about a COVID, COVID testing area being the place where the kidnappings are done. <laughs> <laughs> and then she heads outside to talk to two guys in a car. So she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's in this airport, and it's clearly like a sectioned off COVID testing area. Yeah, because yeah. When, when somebody's getting tested for COVID, even if they don't have a reason, if they're not symptomatic, if they don't have a reason to think they have COVID, you still want to pretend they have COVID in the way you're approaching the caution used well, in yes. that situation, right? That's exactly it. And if, if you people, don't know if someone has it, you want to make sure that if they do, you're not catching it. Yeah. Like, like you said, you want to assume they already have it and then hopefully and, and clear them otherwise. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's also people's privacy. Like you have these things set up and stationed. So people who are getting tested or who might have COVID aren't out in the open where everybody can stare at them and kind of look, oh, look at that person has COVID-19. We got to stay away from him or got to stay away from them. Yeah. And they also works. probably, another big thing that you think about is, is if they didn't have the section blocked off, you have somebody like Drea walking in and totally. filming the staff members and what are they going to do? Maybe dox the staff members and have some, yeah. you know, extremists show up at these people's houses in some situation. Like the, the, there's a lot of reasons to block off an area that's dedicated to health services. Yeah. yeah. And, and Drea is just using that to paint this picture of this is where the kidnappings happen. This is where the evil tyranny goes down. Right. Yeah, right. So anyway, like I said, after that, she somehow wanders outside and finds two guys in a car. They don't have a lot to say. <laughs> no. uh, they generally don't seem to like the idea of forcing people into quarantine, but she's also asking really pointed questions and really trying to pull that out of them. Um, they, they do seem a little bit 
irritated, but specifically they're concerned about the financial well-being of international students and people who can't afford quarantine hotel costs rather than really seeming like they're worried about the government overstepping any boundaries at all. Mm -hmm. So they have kind of a niche issue that they have really been drawn to, it seems like. But I mean, my response to that is one, I don't think there's much international student activity going on right now. No. I know there is a little bit, but I think that the people who are doing that, they'd have to work that out with their institutions whether there's funding to help them with the travel costs in the quarantine hotel stays or whatever. And yeah. for anybody else, then they just shouldn't be coming to Canada right now. No. If, if you're here for a vacation or if you're here to visit family or whatever the case may be, they, they just shouldn't be here. And if you're coming here and, and you can't afford that cost, I, I really don't know how to respond to that. Like, I just don't have a lot of sympathy for that specific type of situation right now. Maybe if it was like a refugee fleeing for their life or something, I'm totally on board with the government kind of did, you know, pitching out for that cost or whatever. And hopefully, and I would suspect that the government of Canada would have something in place if that was the case. I'm sure it does. I'm sure, I'm sure it already does because that stuff doesn't stop. Like just because there's a COVID-19 pandemic, things are still happening around the world and people are still being displaced and there's still people that need legitimate help. And, you know, despite what rebel is saying in, in this piece, there are plans and there are, there there's infrastructure in place that I'm sure support international students and support people who are fleeing political persecution, you know, in those, in those types of very, very, very special circumstances. Those those type of things might even fall under essential travel. You know, if you're an international yeah, that's student, exactly that's, say, yes, studying yeah. medicine or studying something, you know, in a university in Canada that has to be done here, then yeah. you might fall under the line of essential travel and not have these rules necessarily apply to you. Yeah. Same with seeking refugee status or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. But- I, I'm curious. I would be really curious to know how Drea flagged these guys in a car down and why they decided to talk to her. Well, it seemed they like really they were just kind of parked know. in a, it looked like they were parked in like the cell phone parking lot or it's, they were kind of like in an open kind of area, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, a really pointless part of this, but Drea in that clip of talking to the guys she goes into a little thing about how a politician had predicted this all happening months ago and cuts to this clip. <laughs> asked about this. He asked. He asked his government if the people of Ontario should prepare for internment camps. In September, the federal government posted a call for expressions of interest for contractors to supply, provide, and manage quarantine isolation camps throughout every province and every territory in Canada. He was laughed at in Parliament, and later on Justin Trudeau came out and said it was conspiracy theory talks. But here it is happening in Canada and Vancouver, B.C. Uh, he was rightfully last, laughed out of Parliament. Um, that person you just heard was Randy Hillier, who I believe we ah. spoke briefly about last week. Yeah, he he's had- the founder of the uh, End the, Co- the Lockdown Coalition. 
Oh, what a credible source. So he is the <laughs> former conservative politician that was booted out of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party for making disrespectful comments to parents of children with autism. Good work, Drea. Definitely the person you want to quote for credibility purposes. Also, Hillier was saying that there will be internment camps, which is just a gross misrepresentation of reality. So according to dictionary.com, an internment camp is a prison camp for the confinement of prisoners of war, enemy aliens, political prisoners, etc., a concentration camp for civilian citizens, especially those with ties to an enemy during wartime, as the camps established by the United States government to detain Japanese Americans after the Pearl Harbor attacks. The rhetoric being used here drives me crazy. Not only does it cause unreasonable fear and completely misrepresent the reality of what's going on here, it also minimizes the experience of people who have lived through internment camps or similar real life tragedies. Yeah. People in this realm of right-wing populism like to call themselves patriots and they run around saying they love their country, but when afforded the opportunity to come together to try to stamp out something like COVID-19, they cry that their civil liberties have been stripped away and they don't give two shits about their fellow citizens. Yeah, I mean, it goes that goes with the theme of of the day, right? Altruism, and you know, and it, it's sad because that attitude trickles down to their audience, uh, and then they go out and cause problems. They go out knowing that they're going to get, like I said in the last episode, they're they're going to go. They go out knowing that Rebel News will enable them to do what they want to do. Uh, it's it's a it's a sad state of affairs. Uh, and I just want to yeah. mention. I just want to mention one thing as well about the, about the camps, and it'll just be very quick. And that's yeah. Um, I lived so I lived in Vietnam for two years. It's a socialist communist country, um, so it, it, that comes with its own its own issues. Um, but what they did, and I wasn't there for for COVID, but I ha- I still have some very very close friends that that do live there. And what they did was they had quarantine facilities, um, and and that allowed kind of the poor population. Um, and it allowed people who are living in kind of maybe a more communal setting to go to these facilities to quarantine, to, to, to protect their family and to protect their, um, you know, the people around them. And these facilities were um, basically decommissioned hotels that then the Vietnamese government refurbished. And then they became these, these facilities. They were, they were, they were fed. They had, free reign of anywhere they could go and things like that. And it was a two week period. So you would, if you showed symptoms, you, you maybe you, you went there for two weeks to quarantine, you would be brought back to the city. Or if you got diagnosed with COVID and you didn't have serious hospitalization or hospitalizing um, uh, symptoms, you could go to these quarantine facilities for a couple of weeks for, for safety. So these, these have, these have occurred over the world. So it's, it's not a new, not a new thing, but it's not nearly as nefarious as, as what Hillier or what rebel is trying to make it out to be. And if I'm not mistaken, hasn't Vietnam actually done really well with COVID-19? Yeah. COVID-19 doesn't really exist there. They're on the same lines as Australia uh, and Korea if there is even just one case, wherever that case is, is locked down immediately and everything else is kind of sealed off. 
And it's worked like that since March. And that has the effects of that are so much better, both in the short term and the long term for not only public and human health, but also for businesses and for economic activity. If you're doing a series of very short lockdowns, but otherwise it's kind of business as usual, that's so much better than just these prolonged things. Or, you know, another thing that we look at it here in Canada, in, in BC, there is a mask mandate that has allowed businesses and gyms and restaurants and all these things to remain open, whereas Alberta next door refused to do a mask mandate province-wide for a long time. Their case their caseload soared, and then they had to go into a full, everything's shut down for several, like two months. Yeah. And then... Even at that, it'll be over three months before recreation facilities and stuff are fully open again. Yeah. And it, yeah, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. And we can look to countries and this is where ideology becomes an issue is because people don't want to say, well, I'm going to look at what Vietnam's doing. They're doing such a good job because then you get labeled a communist or whatever the case may be. And, and ideological lines are drawn And that becomes problematic in itself rather than just recognizing a good idea as a good idea. Exactly. Right. So there isn't much left in this report. Um, Drea goes on to plug some website. The rebel has created to raise money for their new civil liberties section. I'll, I'll, I'll play that quick here. Yeah to have free legal counsel if they get detained without breaking any laws. Please head to nocovidjails.com. Nocovidjails.com. Jesus. So their their civil liberties section, trying to help people out. Um, And and the funny thing is, I've started to collect a few things. I'm going to put it together. They make a website almost every other day it seems like for a new a new thing when key and bextie got stuck outside of the country it was bring key and home.com and there's another one that's no covid jails is that what that's this one no covid jails.com yeah. there's another one that um uh david menzies was plugging i can't remember so they just seem to make they make websites and they are smart in that they're detaching it from rebel. So if you're just a regular person and you're kind of seeing this, Oh, I could donate to this cause. Maybe you'll do it if you don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, (laughs) that's so, so sneaky. I know that I'm personally in favor of no COVID jails, but I'm also happy that I live in a place that doesn't have COVID. jails. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nor is there, I don't, nor is there a place that COVID jails exist, like completely different reality, completely different reality. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so this is another area that Rebel seems to be really stuck on. Like I said, there was similar reports to this done by David Menzies and Key and Bexty. David Menzies did a couple of them and they're all just completely dishonest. They all misrepresent what's going on. And I don't think they really ever take into account the reality of these situations. Be that, that one, it's not a prison. Also, they're, they're messing with the lives of people that are working 
uh, in Kean Bexty's thing, he was harassing a senior citizen security guard, right? He's he's bothering this oh, guy. Yeah. He's he's getting after him, and and that's what Kean does. He likes to harass people, and just be kind of a pest. And they're just not thinking about the effects that they're having on <clears throat> kind of society at large. And if they are thinking about it, they just don't care. Well, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. They just don't. Like they're they're yeah they have to they have to know kind of what they're what they're saying they're they're they can't be that willfully ignorant, um, and they're kind of manufacturing that message, and it's a form of radicalization uh, on the yeah. part of their audience because, you know, a they're getting attention so they're what the their audience's feelings and and what they're thinking is being validated. Uh, and, yeah. and and done and validated in the kind of the worst possible way validated in a in a way that is almost like uh enabling some kind of an action or, or calling some kind of action um and it it's not just dejected young men who are being radicalized it's you know older people it's your aunt karen or it's your uncle frank or it's your grandma or grandpa you know, it's definitely anyone that's uh, any any aunts that are in this. They're definitely named Karen. There's no doubt. Oh, in my you mind know it. Their, their names are Karen. If you're yeah. a Rebel News fan and female, you're probably a Karen. <laughs> it's required. You have to change your name. But the the thing is, is that if the government was genuinely taking people against their will for unjust reasons and throwing them into a prison. There's reason to be mad. So the people who are followers of Rebel, who have been misguided and got into the situation, they're in their world. They're right to be yeah. mad. If yep, they absolutely. genuinely think that the government at the behest of Justin Trudeau is locking people up unjustly. Arbitrarily they, too, noted. Like yeah, they're, 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 yeah. they're accusing that these people are being arbitrarily detained. Exactly. And if that's what you truly believe, you should be mad. Yeah. And that's what's scary is that people buy into this. And, and that's why, again, that's why we're here. Exactly. <laughs> we're, yes. We yeah. need to try to, to pull the cover back and say, listen, this isn't this isn't the news. This isn't a representation of what's going on. This is a company making money off of yeah. your fear. And yeah. and you need to know that. Exactly. And uh yeah, we're hoping that. You know the people who are listening to us will help spread the word, and we're 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 dedicated to keeping to keep on improving ourselves and keep on improving the show and the process. And um, we appreciate everybody who decides to stop by and take a listen uh, to our. And if to our you're podcast. listening right now, we really appreciate it because. We kind of promised ourselves we weren't even going to promote this until we had 10 episodes up. So Yeah, well, and we still aren't really. Yeah. And you're listening, thank you. Absolutely. And, and if you've taken the time to listen and you like what you're hearing, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever yeah. or send us an email and tell us what you like, tell us what you think we can improve. We're we're excited to just get some feedback and hear what people think about what we have to say. Definitely. Yeah. Always, always open to constructive criticism um, and always, always looking to grow the show and, and all that kind of stuff. And if you do want to get a hold of us, you can uh, send us an email show at loveoftruthpod.com so we can read your email. Hopefully 
on a show and play RuPaul's sound bite. That would be amazing, right? Yes, um, yes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Love of Truth Pod. Uh, you can get us a hold of you can get a hold of us on there as well if you don't want to send us an email. Um, and yeah, until next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>